0: Over
1: 1 million patients with rare and chronic diseases rely on plasma. Your plasma donation helps people live healthier and happier lives. Your donation matters. Earn extra cash while saving lives. Become a donor today. Find a center near you on iPlasma.life. Welcome to What the Plasma, the podcast where you'll learn more about the importance of blood and plasma. Fine-tune your knowledge about this highly misunderstood industry and hear interviews with patients, donors, and people on the front lines. Let's get started with your host, Mason St. Felix.
0: Welcome to What the Plasma. I am your host, Mason St. Felix, founder and CEO of iPlasma. Welcome to another episode of What the Plasma. In this episode, we are going to skip over our normal topic segment and jump right into our conversation with our guest, Yum Bolt. Yum is a plasma industry veteran and patient advocate. After 40 years in the plasma industry serving in various roles, Yum founded JMB Consultancy, where they focus on ways to improve access to therapies for patients. We're both privileged and excited to have Yum here today. He'll join us right after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Adma BioCenters, Kennesaw, Georgia. Adma BioCenters reminds you that you have the power to heal others and help yourselves. By becoming a plasma donor, you can earn money while helping save the lives of many people Learn more by visiting www.admabiocenters.com Thank you for joining us on the show today. Appreciate having you on. Pleasure. So let's jump right in and just talk a little bit about what's going on in the world at this moment and how you are addressing it or how are you approaching it? How are you doing with social distancing or staying at home and managing through all that?
1: Well, I think it's extremely necessary and it's very encouraging to see that the impact of social distancing can be seen with the uh, the hard data. The thing that we have to be careful with is that we don't take it too soon for a success and that we stay careful and that we take the appropriate time to do so. Because somebody said it today, it's not about the risk that I am going to be infected is the risk that I infect somebody else. So take care of your other people and respect the, the distance roles.
0: Yeah. So when you think about that, just the fact that this within the plasma community or just within the rare disease community is a pretty big thing. I think about just the impact and just a couple of shows ago was talking about the impact that this has within the rare disease community and how this, in a way, mirrors a little bit their every day-to-day life. And we're kind of experiencing just a small glimpse of it here during just a few-week period.
1: Yeah. And there's one group in particular, two groups, as a matter of fact, in particular, where you can understand the concerns. And those are the persons who do not have the ability to fight infectious diseases because they don't have the antibodies that we need. And you have to think about people that have that genetically. We call that the primary immune deficiency. But you also have that uh, the so-called secondary. You have to think about oncology patients, people that undergo chemotherapy and are much more vulnerable to infection. So I can only imagine the concerns that these people have.
0: Yeah. And just the fact that they are kind of observing and seeing pretty much how are things going to be handled. And there's some panic there as well, but also some anxiety that exists. But I think one thing that made me really smile the other day was seeing update that the plasma community, and by community, I'm talking about the companies all across, are coming together to put, to create a non-branded hyperimmune product, and I think that's very inspiring to see. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that, and what do you believe is the long-term effect of that type of collaboration?
1: I'm very pleased with this initiative. But before I answer that question, I think it's very important to realize why this is so important. If you are infected with any in this case, a virus, then you develop antibodies against that virus, so you protect it the next time. And that's what we want to do now. So what you want to do is you want to find those persons who have been infected with the, the COVID virus, develop the antibodies, and use that to help other people. You have to think about the patients that we just described. You have to think about healthcare providers, and especially now, since there's no other therapy available. So I think that's important to realize first. Once that's done, you can imagine if each individual company is going to develop their own therapy, it takes an enormous amount of time and a lot of regulatory hurdles, trial hurdles. So the fact that industry is willing to really put all the forces together, work together, and get a product for these vulnerable patients as soon as they can, I think it's a wonderful initiative and I'm very happy with it.
0: Yeah, I think it just goes a long ways to show just the that the humanity that exists, especially in time of need, across the board. People are willing to put aside competition. People are willing, and both people and companies are willing to put that aside and really focus on what's important, which is taking care of the patients that absolutely need it.
1: I agree with that for for one hundred percent. And. When you look at the details of this, as it is called an alliance, this is open for multiple companies, different parts of the world. I think it's a fantastic initiative. This is out-of-the-box thinking that you need. This is focus on patients. This is focus on healthcare. I don't even want to think about all the legal hurdles. There will always be a legal issue, but think about humanity. Think about impact on life. It's a wonderful initiative.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So when you think about the humanity of donating um, plasma and the humanity of patient, the vein to vein process, right, where a patient, another human is on the other side of receiving the Plasma, from a conversation that when we had our intro conversation, you were giving some really bright examples around the connection between the grandmother or the yeah. you know the uncle. Can you share a little bit about that, just for the, our audience, just a little bit about that conversation that we had?
1: Yeah, this is focused especially on those persons who do not have the ability to fight infectious diseases. And as we see today, you can have an infection before you know it. So remember your own time when your children went to kindergarten. How many times did your children get back with an infection that they got in school and then they infected the whole family? So try to imagine when you are a grandparent who doesn't have this ability. So every time when a child goes to kindergarten, you're at risk that you're going to be infected. Or any time that you go play outside with the grandchildren, you can become sick. And I've heard so many stories of people who finally got diagnosed and treated with the antibodies that they are missing, that one of the most important things that they could do was play again with the grandchildren, play in a sandbox, and have a normal social life. This always impressed me a lot. It's the small things in life that make it so clear why this is important.
0: Yeah, I think that was one thing that really stayed with me and has really just been been on my mind for the last few days was that simple connection and just that simplification of it, right? You don't, as a parent myself, I don't think about kids going to school and then coming back home. It's flu season right now, or it was flu season for a while there with the kids going back and forth and they would come in, kids get sick. Like you just, it becomes so normal. It's so normalized to me. And I made me step back and really think about for somebody that may not be in a healthy state like I am, like how much thought goes into these little small daily day-to-day things.
1: Yeah, I have another good example for you, which tells you this issue is not national. This is not local. It happens everywhere in the world. A good friend of mine, he is one of the top immunologists in Japan. So he had a patient who is also suffering from the same genetic disorder. And this woman would like to go to South America and see one of those uh, famous salt lakes and just enjoy nature. Well, in that particular country, they have a lot of other viruses. You have to think about yellow fever. You have to think about dengue. You have to think about West Nile and not the infections that you normally find here in the United States. So for her to go there, she needs to have protection. And that means that any therapy that she has... Also needs to have the antibodies against that particular virus, well, you can imagine that if you collect your plasma in this case in the United States where the the, uh, the the national population has not been exposed to that virus, there are no antibodies, and that is the reason why this woman will never be able to go to that country. It's those simple things where you can see what the impact is, and normally people don't think about it
0: yeah so. When you talk antibodies, right, and this is starting to become part of the normal conversation, at least today with all that's going on, can you expand a little bit about what that is and what that means?
1: Yeah. So what you have is the human system, they have an immune system that is going to be able to deal with diseases. And the way how this normal works is that when you get infected with a pathogen, your body responds with the development of warriors to fight that particular pathogen. You call that antibodies. If you get infected again at a later time, the system has already dealt with that and can then, in a rapid way, respond by producing an enormous mass of antibodies that immediately takes care of this pathogen. If you don't have that ability, you're going to be sick every time because you are not able to build up that army of warriors against that uh, particular infection. And that is what happens with these patients with primary immune deficiency.
0: Yeah. Can you just think about your experience here working within plasma over the course of your career? Can you give some examples of some of the, the most touching experiences for you that you've seen with how a patient reacts to Being able to have access or being able to receive plasma derived therapies?
1: Yeah. What strikes me is that many times when you start to know these patients more on a personal level, you really hear the true stories. And I never forget a story of a gentleman who has this prime immune deficiency, but for whatever reason was never diagnosed. And he had sickness after sickness. And he got to the point that he gave up. And he didn't want to do it anymore because he was sick all the time. And when he finally, when he was in his late 40s or early 50s, got diagnosed and got his treatment that gave him a normal life, he suddenly realized how valuable life was. And this man cannot stop expressing his gratitude for what happened. Another example was, again, this friend of mine in Japan. He tells me the story about a gentleman patient who comes in and who had pneumonia pneumonia after pneumonia. And it was only after so many years that he finally found an expert who could diagnose him. The man started crying and said, why did it take so long before finally somebody could tell me what was wrong with me? And this is what strikes with me. It takes a lot of time in many cases before patients get diagnosed. People think they have an infection, they get antibiotics, they don't do anything, and they get sick and sick, can't go to school, And these stories are absolutely amazing when you hear that.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where having worked in a center and having had a patient come in, and when the patient comes in and they are talking to you and talking to the donors about what it actually means, it's always hit me to look at the face of the donors and even the look at the face of team members and see how like the why actually connects for them, uh, where they can put a face to that plasma bottle that's being collected there. That has always been to me been one of the, the biggest things. When I hear stories like that, again, it helps to really solidify and helps to explain why it's important to for donors to continue to donate in the lives that are on the other side of this.
1: Yeah, and you know what? You started talking about what's happening today with this terrible virus that affects so many people. The one thing I have to say every time when I see the numbers, I just realized behind these numbers are families and individuals. And there are so many people that go through horrific times and and try to imagine when you have a loved one who is unable to meet with family. And even in the darkest hours, when they're at the end of their life, they can't have family around them. It's just unbelievable and horrific. The only thing that I see as a positive from this whole experience is that people are now more and more aware of the importance of antibodies. you hear people talking about the power of antibodies, and especially now, since there is no other treatment. So I hope that this will be a good stimulus for a lot of people to think about donating plasma and help other people that are so much in need of the therapies that they need and with antibodies that they cannot produce themselves.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I'm hoping the same thing too, that out of this comes the good of the fact that we got to have a worldwide conversation, um, not just a national conversation, but a worldwide conversation around this specific topic and that it's it's in the news almost daily talked about almost daily and it's creating it's causing people to ask questions about this ways that they normally would have not even thought about so i really think that this is going to be in the long term a good thing and i hope that it creates donors and plasma donors out of this as well definitely
1: Uh, and that is why you asked me that question in the beginning about this initiative that was announced, and used the magic word here. It's global. It's not a national issue. It's not a New York issue. It's not a Detroit issue. It's not a, an Amsterdam issue. It is a global issue. And I hope that this initiative will be the beginning of some really good thinking about changing some of the concept. And because, as you res- as you know, the virus doesn't respect borders. The virus mm-hmm. is everywhere. Well, why yeah. is it that our therapies have to stay within borders? It doesn't make sense. So we need to start thinking in other ways how to address this issue.
0: Yeah, I do think that there definitely should be some longer-term conversations about that. Can you just touch on that just a little bit? What do you mean by the why the therapies are have to stay within a specific border? Can you just touch on that a little bit more?
1: Well, you have to deal with a lot of regulations, and the regulations are very focused on, on borders. Um, In the United States, you have to meet the requirements for FDA, and that's totally understandable. Uh, In Europe, you have European regulations, but sometimes I feel that the regulations are not in sync. They're not always harmonized. I'll give you a good example. If you know that these therapies can help these patients that do not have the ability to fight infectious diseases, why is it that you have to develop the same kind of clinical trial in each individual country? To prove the same thing. And here's another thing with this initiative where you work together. One of the benefits of working together with multiple companies is to shorten the time to run the clinical trials to prove the thing. And I think this is a good example how this initiative could lead to a further harmonization and an improvement. Because don't forget, we're dealing with patients. Some of the patients have no ability to have access to any therapy. So we need to work hard to help them as fast as we can.
0: Yeah, I think that there's what you said there, that's where I I believe there's a lot of misunderstanding or confusion around how plasma, or specifically in general, is utilized or it's mobilized. So you see news stories prior to, to all this, you would see news stories that would push out information that didn't necessarily, that were just not factual by any means and i think it's really a good time and i believe it's going to be a good time for people in the industry but also everywhere else to start to really look at the the true facts around donating plasma people that it helps the processes this is the right time for this conversation
1: i think you're so right and i think that one of the things for me there are two things that will come out of this terrible situation number 1 people understand more than ever how important it is to have antibodies that can be used for different reasons. That's number one. The second thing is that people start to realize that in order to get those antibodies, you need human plasma. So you need human donors that are willing to donate on a regular basis. So that is so different than what you have, what I call traditional pharmaceutical industry. What we're dealing with is not a pill. It's not a tablet. It is human substance that is being collected, tested, and manufactured before we have a therapy. And if you realize that between the donation and the the application of a therapy, there could be more than seven to eight months. That makes it so different. And I think two things, realizing antibodies and that the therapies are different are very good outcomes.
0: Yeah. So let's shift gears just a little bit here and just talk about just the donors in general. So one of the things that I, I think about is that donors are the true lifeblood developing these type of products, right? And there is no patient I've spoken to that hasn't really emphasized the importance of that fact, and haven't emphasized the appreciation for donating uh, for donors and for donating plasma. So, how do you think we can? Especially coming out of here, continue to build on what's going on here, but have the right messaging to connect with the current donor base, but also go outside of that and talk to more donors and help them to understand their value and their importance to this ecosystem of creating plasma derived therapies.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that people need to understand is donating saves lives, period. And whether you donate blood or you donate plasma, Both donors are very important. Blood donations are very uh, important for hospital use, transfusion, cells, and components. But that's, I would say, for immediate use and uh, because of a clinical situation. When you talk about plasma, that is being used to manufacture therapies from the proteins that are in the plasma. So we should not differentiate between the two donors. Both types are extremely important. And I always personally thank any donor whether it is a blood donor or a plasma donor, because their donation is important. What I find sometimes a little bit problematic is that I see a more of a worldwide recognition for blood donors, but not so much for plasma donors. For example, the World Health Organization has one day per year to recognize blood donors. Why not recognize the plasma donors? Are those not important? And so these are the kind of messages that I have um, delivered now for quite some years. And I am currently active in a task force for the WHO, and I will continue to deliver that message. Look at the current situation. Patients need a therapy, need help from donors. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. So be grateful and develop a system that recognizes the importance of donation.
0: Yeah. So, And this is what we hope to continue to build out, to take messages from yourself, from others within the community, to bring that message to donors and really hopefully help them see, hey, you're an absolute value, you're an absolute asset, and it's you're very much appreciated across the board by all the individuals that receive the therapies. But I think the other part of this is the individuals working in the plasma centers oh, or yeah. working in manufacturing or working just within the plasma organizations in that ecosystem. I think those individuals are very critical as well, especially when you think about right now where there's stay at home orders everywhere. And just like our others in the healthcare systems or other essential workers, these individuals are essential as well for needing to show up to a plasma center, continue to work at plasma centers, even blood centers as well to continue to operate blood and plasma centers to ensure that we're collecting blood, to ensure we're collecting plasma, to ensure these things continue. Because otherwise, you put a whole grind to that system. Where there's no blood being collected. So that impacts local communities immediately. And if plasma stops being collected, you impact the therapy manufacturing a few months down the road from now. And it really starts to have an impact on.
1: on I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that always impressed me when I visited uh, the plasma collection center, so you've been working there yourself for years, so you know what I'm talking about. What happens, especially with the donors who come in more frequently? for example, a blood donor comes in on average once or twice a year, whereas the plasma donor can come in more frequently. And as a result of that, you develop a kind of a family atmosphere with the center and with the donors. And the phlebotomist who is doing the stick in the arm and has the good technique, I mean, it becomes personal friendships, a family atmosphere. How is you doing? Uh, how is your family doing? How are the kids doing? Many centers have a playground for children nowadays a little bit difficult of course but that family feeling helps very much to help people being appreciated
0: yeah so a huge thanks to that group as well so just last question for you is when you think about just the industry as a whole and where we stand now where do you see things going over the next five ten years in regards to demand to supply And how can plasma centers or companies or even communities better prepare?
1: Well, what we have seen, and this is something that I've seen for probably 30 years or so, that the clinical demand for immunoglobulins is going to continue to rise. There's not going to be a change. And and that means you need to collect sufficient plasma to manufacture the therapies that are needed. Now, with the current situation, we need to see what the impact is on the different collection centers, whether donors are able to go to the center because of travel restrictions and so on. But on the long run, there is going to be a continuous need for plasma donation, for donation in general, because the clinical need for these therapies will continue to grow. We already mentioned the patients with primary immune deficiency, but think about the secondary immune deficiency. There are more patient, oncology patients that need the therapies. There are a lot of patients with neurological indications, we will not go into the details, that completely benefit from the therapy. So if there's anything that we need to see is a continuation of the donor recognition and help people understand the value of donation. And I hope that this will lead to a further growth of people that are willing to donate on a regular basis.
0: All right. Well, Yum, I appreciate you joining the show and really sincerely appreciate your time, especially with all that you have going on at the moment. So thank you for for taking the time. You're welcome. I want to thank Yum for the engaging conversation. That is our show. And remember, be the difference because patients are counting on it.
1: Thank you for listening to this weekly episode of What the Plasma. To download this episode plus more, go to WhatThePlasma.life or anywhere streaming podcasts. While you're there, make sure to subscribe. Also, don't forget to join the iPlasma Life community on your favorite social media platform. Catch you on the next episode. Until then, don't forget, you are the difference. So be the difference. Patients are counting on you.